If you've written a note this morning to your dad, I'd love for you to pass that to one of these two aisles. And then those who are picking up the contribution bags right now, if you would, as soon as you get the bags done, if you would go back and pick up from the aisles those notes and then give those to Hope. That would be great. And we'll look at those at the end. I want to tell you that if you, uh, if you thought that your staff and various members of our church were kind of crystal clean in terms of their integrity and behavior, I encourage you to get on Facebook and look at the picture of some members of our church in the back of a police cruiser. We had an incident yesterday at the uh, Marlboro Community Center, and I know, I know June was in there, and Jonathan was in there, and Hope was in there, Willow, I think. Um, the policeman asked me if I would sit in the front of the vehicle and kind of keep watch over them and pray for them, so I did, but, um, but they, they found themselves in the back. So, I, I mean, they, the policeman did eventually let them go, but it was, uh, it was touch and go there for a while, so you might want to look at that picture. Indeed, uh, we are going to go to one service next week. It will start at 1010, and so please be here earlier than that so that we can begin it at 10 minutes after 10, and... Uh, I'm looking forward to our summer service together. At 9.30, if you could come and want to be part, of course, those who are in the instrumental service normally, if you want to come at 9.30 and enjoy a time of instrumental praise. And we're going to start that in the fireside room next week, and we'll see how it goes from there. If you all show up next week, then we'll move it into here the following week. But at least next week, we'll be in the fireside room and see how it goes. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I think it's exciting. And this thing that we're doing before at 9.30, that's something new for us, and that'll be cool as well. Turn to the book of Philemon this morning. It's on page 845 in the Pew Bibles. Philemon, if you're you're in your own Bible and you think, where is it, where is it? It's just before Hebrews, okay? Philemon is just before Hebrews. And the situation, as we can surmise it, is something like this. Onesimus is a runaway slave, okay? Remember that name, Onesimus. He's a runaway slave, having run away from the household of a Christian gentleman named Philemon, after whom this book is named. So you have Philemon, he's the slave owner, Onesimus is the slave. They live in or around the city of Colossae. Onesimus has come to Rome, most likely to get away from Onesimus, and he's thinking to himself, if I can lose myself in the crowd in Rome, maybe I have a chance to no longer be a slave. But somewhere along the line, Maybe earlier on, he encounters Paul, who we know um, had some freedoms during his imprisonment, which enabled him to actually get out and see some people. We don't know if Onesimus' new faith caused him to confess who he was, or if someone from Colossae, like perhaps Epaphras, had seen him, recognized him as a slave, and told Paul who he was. Or it's possible even that Paul knew Onesimus before Onesimus ever came to him. Maybe Onesimus came to Paul with some purpose. We don't know. If you look at the very last couple of verses of the book of Philemon, and you can do that right now if you want. It's not a big book. You don't have to thumb through the pages. If you look at the very end, you'll see a note there from Paul about greetings. And there's several names listed. And so Paul is with some folks who are greeting the people in Colossae and saying, we know you, and so hi. 
And with all of these people knowing each other, it's very possible that someone in Paul's group recognized Onesimus because Onesimus was a slave in Philemon's house and Philemon was a member of the church. So they had no doubt all been to Philemon's house before. Philemon was some kind of uh, benefactor of the church, leader in the church, certainly. The first couple of verses talk about how Paul's greeting Philemon. He greets uh, probably his wife and then maybe his son, who is Paul's fellow worker in the faith, Aristarchus, might have been his, his son. And so Paul has no, known these people, all of them, and they all kind of know each other. The church isn't that big at this point. And if Philemon has a slave in his household, it's very possible that they knew him before. So Onesimus perhaps leaves Colossae, a runaway slave from Philemon, and even finds Paul perhaps seeking him out, knowing of Paul's relationship with Philemon. Maybe maybe Onesimus is thinking, if I can just get to Paul, he's going to talk to Philemon, my master, and things are going to be better for me uh, if that happens. Ultimately, we don't know. We do know that Onesimus has indeed come to Christ. He's now a believer in the Lord. My impression is that when he left Onesimus, or when he left Philemon, he was not a believer. But now he is. We know that previously he had been a worthless slave, this book says, to Philemon. And we know that Paul now sends him back to Philemon. So what is it that Paul does first in preparing Philemon for Onesimus' return? And just think of this situation. Paul is saying to somebody, I want you, as my brother in Christ, to return to your master. I want you to return to your master. And there's, at some level, a great deal of trust and hope on Paul's part in terms of the way that the master is going to respond. How can that be? Maybe that's the question for the morning. How is it that Paul can send a slave back to a master from whom the slave has run away and expect something good? How can that be? Well, here are some things Paul does in order to kind of set things up. First, Paul himself says that he's a prisoner of Christ. And that's interesting because normally when Paul talks at the beginning of a letter about what he is, he says that he's a slave of Christ. And you'd think that that would be perfect. You'd think that with Onesimus being a slave, that Paul could say, and I'm a slave too. I'm a slave of Christ. And maybe Philemon would say, oh, Paul's saying that he's a slave and Onesimus is a slave. I'm going to have to listen to that. He doesn't say he's a slave. Instead, he says, I am a prisoner of Christ. So not only is he a slave, but Paul is a certain kind of slave. In this case, one against whom charges have been laid. Paul is not just a slave of Christ. He's a slave of Christ against which someone has something. In this case, the government holding something against Paul. Paul is, in fact, a slave worthy now of punishment in the eyes of the government. And if you think about it, that's exactly Onesimus' situation. Onesimus himself is a slave. Now being asked to return to a master who has the rights, who has something against him. He can punish him. Onesimus deserves to be punished. 
And so Paul says, I'm a prisoner. And in fact, Onesimus is a prisoner as well. And he draws, I think, very intentionally that parallel between himself and Philemon. Philemon or, and Onesimus. Philemon has the ability to torture and kill and beat. Probably not in that order. Onesimus. He has the right to control this person's life. Onesimus deserves, in one sense, the punishment. He is, Philemon, the ruling authority and master of this man. He has total control over his life. And Paul says, just as Onesimus is a prisoner to you, I'm a prisoner for the Lord. Onesimus and I have something in common. Secondly, our relationships are to be governed by Christ. If you look at verses 4 through 9, Paul reminds Philemon of the relationship that they themselves share in Christ. A relationship that exists probably only because of what they share together in Christ. And it's interesting that Paul doesn't say to Philemon only that he loves him or that they're partners. But he specifically says that he as an apostle has some kind of special relationship with Philemon where he is an authority over Philemon's life. He says, I'm not going to hold this over you. But in a sense, he does, I suppose. But he wants to treat Philemon in a certain way with some grace and says, I'm not going to order you to do this. And then I think expects Philemon to treat Onesimus in the same kind of way because their relationship is governed by Christ. Thirdly, Paul calls Onesimus his son in the faith. In verse 12, in fact, he says that Onesimus is his very heart. It's interesting that this slave who in that society where Paul himself is a free man, remember, and a Roman citizen, Onesimus should be part of the dirge of society, the dregs of society, and Paul instead treats him with incredible respect. And even says, he is my very heart. It shows you how Paul's whole attitude about life and about this person has been controlled by who he is in Jesus. Fourthly, treat Onesimus like Paul. And so if you look in verse 17, Paul asks Philemon to treat Onesimus the way that he would treat Paul himself. And he even says that the way he treats Onesimus is going to be a kind of treatment toward Paul and says that if you treat him well, then you will refresh my heart, Paul says. And so he calls for special treatment of this man. And then lastly, spiritually, and I I saved this one to the last because I think in many ways this is the most significant, the most telling point, he ultimately places Onesimus on the same level with Philemon. And so I want you to make sure that you look with me right now at verse 12. Everybody look at their Bibles and look at verse 12. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains 
for the gospel. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Now, basically, what Paul just said is, Philemon, Onesimus is you. And you are Onesimus. And so the master is being called for Paul a slave. And the slave for Paul is called on the same level as the master. He has taken your place in my life, Philemon. Paul says of Onesimus. And it's amazing that that kind of exchange can take place in Paul's mind between this slave, again with Paul being a free man and a Roman citizen, and then calling Philemon to have the same kind of attitude toward this slave who ran away from him as what Paul himself has towards Onesimus. Can you imagine the kind of workings there must be in Philemon's mind as he's trying to think all of this through? How dare you, Paul, put me on the same level as this slave? And yet Paul himself has put himself there. And there's a sense in which Paul, Onesimus, and Philemon are all on the same level because they all stand before God at the same place. You know, I read Philemon about six times this week. And I couldn't help think of very many circumstances in the New Testament where such a a huge challenge is issued to someone to think differently than they ever have before. But this is indeed a huge challenge. Philemon's world socially is being turned completely upside down. You know, this is like this is like someone the owner of a company. Maybe some of you owns a company. This is like the owner of a company and someone saying to them, we've decided that you're going to have to be the lowliest of the employees. Or it's like saying to the owner of the company, you are just like everybody else. In fact, you're going to be paid just the same as everybody else. Everything about you is going to be the same as this person that you think right now is lower than you. Just think if your whole world was turned upside down like that. And that's what's happening in Philemon's mind as Paul challenges him to think completely differently about this slave than he ever had before. You know, Philemon has the right, as I said, to imprison Onesimus. Philemon has the right to punish Onesimus brutally. The stories about what masters would sometimes do in the Roman world to their slaves are incredible. One of the things that would likely happen to Onesimus as he returns to Philemon is that, or, yeah, Philemon has the right to brand an F in the forehead of this man. The word fugitivus is a Latin word, and you can see how the word fugitive would come out of it. And that's what they would do to runaway slaves. If they didn't kill them, if they didn't crucify them, which they had the right to do, they would at the very least brand them and keep them as their slaves so that they could still get the use out of them that they wanted to get. And Onesimus could have done all of those things, and Paul asks him not to. 
And so here's the point for this morning. This letter is directed to the slave owner who is also a slave. Because Philemon is a slave of Christ. He's a slave of Christ as Paul is a slave of Christ. And so Philemon is a slave, Onesimus is a slave, Paul is a slave. We all find ourselves slaves before Jesus. And God wants more than anything for us to continually think of ourselves in that way. And it changes everything. Or at least it should change everything for us the way that it changes everything for Philemon. In fact, think of this. There are people in this room right now who are in different positions of leadership. We have people here who are leaders in your company. We have people who are leaders in their home. We have people who are leaders in the church. I don't know of a book that is more pointed at saying what leadership is like or should be like for the Christian than Philemon. With Philemon, all recognize themselves as servants. All recognize themselves as slaves. We don't exercise the social authority that we normally would be given by society. And the reason why is because Jesus has absolutely changed everything. So whether you find yourself as employee or you find yourself as employer, we have a different perspective than the world has because God has done something in us through Jesus and made us all slaves of him. You know, Paul sometimes is... um, People get down on him because he didn't try and abolish slavery. They say, you know, he should have abolished it. Should have spoken out strongly against it. Here he should have just said, Philemon, Onesimus is no longer your slave. In one sense he did, I suppose, by saying to him, he's your brother and not just a slave. But Paul doesn't abolish slavery completely. He was, in fact, asking people... To become different kinds of people rather than asking them simply to be freed on the world's terms. And so Philemon's life is completely changed even as a slave owner. And Onesimus' life is completely changed even as a slave. And the question this morning is, is that you? Like, do you... Do you see yourself differently because of what Jesus has done in becoming your slave? Do you see yourself differently because of the example that Paul set and that he asks Philemon to set and which he asks Onesimus to set by all being slaves of some kind? And so can you see yourself this morning as a slave. And there are circumstances in your life right now where there are people that you recognize you could potentially have some kind of relationship difficulty with. But slaves vacate their lives and their rights in relationships. 
We don't claim the same kind of rights that others claim when we have someone, something against someone in a relationship. Philemon was asked to give up his rights that he could claim in a relationship when he has something against somebody else. And so as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. And as far as it depends on you, in a relationship where you could be bitter and you could hold something against someone else and maybe have the right to do so, instead we find ourselves being willing to serve and be slaves to the very one against whom we have the right to be bitter. Who in your life do you hold bitterness against and to whom you can become a slave through an act of grace because Jesus extended his grace to you. It seems to me like that's what Paul is asking Philemon to do. That because he had received the grace of Christ. He's to give up the grudge, give up the bitterness, give up his rights, and to claim for himself slavery for another. And if you search your heart this morning, there's probably somebody that you need to do that with. I pray you do. Let's pray. Lord, the challenge to Philemon is huge. He's called to be the master who becomes a slave. He's called not to punish when he has the right to punish. He's called to view the slave not just as a slave but as his brother. He's called to rid himself of bitterness and anger and his rights. And Father, in our lives, in our relationships, we have those against whom we have been bitter. And Lord, I would pray that you'd help us to be free of that bitterness. In fact, Lord, work on our hearts through your spirit to rid us of that bitterness. And instead, help us merely to be slaves of you and allow that slavery and your grace to impact every relationship that we have. We pray these things through Jesus. Amen.